0: Well,
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Calling Up Our Favorite Wrestling Athletes, Coaches, um, Influential People in the Sport. And what is it? Day. Is this week two? This is week two. Week two, day nine, eight, nine. Been chugging along, having a good time, talking to a lot of good people. We've got a, a slew of awesome guests again today. We're going to have uh, Northwestern head coach Matt Storniolo, followed by Bryce Meredith, two-time NCAA finalist, followed by Anthony Ashnell, 2019 NCAA champion. We're going to wrap up today's show with 2004 Olympic silver medalist, three-time NCAA champion Stephen Abbas. So quite a slew of folks on the show today. And let's not waste any time getting to our first guest. It is Matt Storniolo, Northwestern. Head coach, Matt, um, how's everything in your world?
2: Uh, different, different, but you're rolling with the punches. Where are you at? What's
1: uh, what's your day like?
2: <laughs> I am at my apartment in Chicago. Uh, it is the cleanest my apartment has ever been. <laughs> yeah. so the first few days of, of this you know, quarantine-type situation... Got a lot of stuff done around the apartment when I wasn't on conference calls and teleconferences. Uh, Still have responsibilities with work, and our university, I think, more so than a lot, is doing a great job of keeping everybody in the loop with what's going on. Um, So we have daily meetings, teleconferences with the athletic department for all the coaches and the senior staff, exec staff, uh, staying close with the guys and – Watching the stock markets a lot, like yeah, my new- yeah. Playing, playing with the stock market game.
1: It's uh, that's not doing very well. No. Um, you know, I, it's been really interesting because we've had a bunch of coaches and, and wrestlers on, and a lot of NCA guys, and we've just been kind of hearing their stories about last Thursday or last. Was it was last week. It was Two the weeks week ago. before. Jeez. Um, you know, getting the news that the NCAs was going to be no fans, and then ultimately canceled and kind of how how you found that out how you broke that to your team or if you guys all kind of found that out together and and what that uh afternoon was like for you guys
2: yeah so it it was a weird you know we're a couple days there and we're we're following stuff online and you're hearing the rumbles you're hearing rumors that things might get canceled or they might go fan fanless um so we were kind of finding stuff out through the news and through twitter um that's the biggest disappointment, uh, aside from them actually canceling the event, was probably just the lack of communication from from the NCAA. It would have been nice if, if we found out before it was breaking on the news, so we had a chance to talk to the guys, but it seemed like things were going in that direction. We were set to have practice you know, that, that Thursday, so right before practice, things were coming out that it looks like basketball tournament's getting canceled and basketball's going to get canceled. You have to assume that wrestling's going to get canceled, too um so we kind of talked with the guys before practice and said listen you know this isn't this isn't official yet keep your mindset like you're going to be competing for national title next week and let's get a good workout in and you know at that same time right as practice was starting i got called into a mentor meeting with the athletic department with our with our whole department and that was when everything came down to final news went through. So while the guys were were working out, I'm at that meeting. And it was unfortunate timing because I didn't get to be there with the group when practice finished up and everything became real when it was all solidified. So Andrew and Jimmy did a great job of talking with with the group and and also Emery. um, And I kind of had a decision, like, do I make all these guys just jump in the car, turn around, come back? To practice for us to meet. Do I wait till the next day and I kind of put myself in their shoes and thought, All right, if this was me and I just had my dreams crushed, would I really want to turn around and come right back, or would I want to sit down and have a meeting the next day when I know guys at that point just probably wanted to go home, be with their family, get away from it a little bit? So I figured what I what I thought was the best. Approach to it was I called the guys individually, one by one, and talked to them. Started with the national qualifiers because this obviously impacted them the greatest. And the message was a little bit different for each guy, but I think it was good to get that one-on-one conversation with, with each of them and talk about what had happened and, and everything leading up to it and, and try to tell them, like, man, you still had an awesome year. You know, for a guy like Sebastian Rivera, it's, it's tough because – you're thinking he's he's in a great place to win a national title. But with Sebastian, he, he handled it really well, very maturely. And uh, it was it was cool to talk to him about having having that experience at Rutgers, winning a Big Ted title there and, and getting to end it on that note instead of the national title. Not not what you want, but still something to take away from it. And that was a special experience. And for a guy like Ryan Deacon, who went through the whole season just mauling guys, you, know, you, you lose sight of
1: that. What um, were kind of the range of, of uh, reactions and emotions that you got from these different guys? And you don't have to in name them individually, but like you said they kind of needed different approaches and we're probably handling it differently.
2: Yeah, and I, it's nothing that anybody has to be embarrassed about. So I don't have – I don't think I'm, I'm doing a disservice to these guys by talking about them individually. But Sebastian, he, he took the news probably as – as anybody could have taken the news, especially being a number one seed. He said, you know, it sucks, but I can't do anything about it. It's beyond my control. So try to not let it bother him as, as much as he could. Um, you know, Ryan, Ryan was pretty crushed by it, uh, which I can understand. And, you know, he was still in a little bit of a, a limbo situation thinking like, well, what am I going to do? I need to train for the trials. I need to get ready to try to make an Olympic team. So he was kind of in that weird purgatory in between yeah. area for a bit. And, and I think it actually brought some closure to it once they announced everything's going to be canceled for the year Olympics are going to be postponed um, but ryan he's Ryan's got guys head on his shoulders he, he's a good kid He's he's got things figured out so it, it was tough at first he's adjusted he, he's gonna be just fine Mike D'Agostino the kids a, he's a goof he, he was upset as all these guys are, but again, like, it, the, we've got a special group of guys here where situations like this, it shows you just how special, how mature these kids are for, young men are for being 19, 20, 21 years old, they're, they're a special group, so Mike was a good conversation, you know, it, was, it was cool to talk to him about the season and, and all the special things he's done this year really came out of nowhere, and yeah, he's going to the NCA's tournament seated to, to be an all-american and then you have yaya yaya handled it great um, Luke Davison he's just a hard-nosed kid is he's level-headed Luke was good and and the toughest call was probably Shane Oster um, being that he was a senior and depending on how this ruling comes back from the NCAA, this might have been might have been his last shot at it and for Shane to have the the season he had' it was kind of a, a fairytale year for him. He, he, year starts off and he thinks he's going to be a 149 pounder and things don't go his way in the wrestle-off and then we have an injury and say like, hey Shane, what do you think about going up two weight classes? And Shane's exact words, I remember the conversation, he said, yeah, whatever the team needs, whatever the team mm-hmm. needs, I'm going to do it. And it went from being a, you know, almost we think, like maybe he's taking one for the team here to just having the best season he's ever had and hitting the ground running at, at Cliff Keen and and never really looking back. So that, that was the toughest call. Um, that that was the hardest for me because these other guys, they, they've still got a lot of great wrestling ahead of them, no matter what. Um, and for Shane, this could be the end of the road.
1: And I, you know, I guess they announced that next week they're going to vote, um, on how to handle the seniors. Do you have, um, you, know, you said Northwestern have done a real good job keeping you guys in communications. I don't know. Has there been any c- communication on this topic, or are you, is it just kind of speculation on what might happen or how it, things might go?
2: Yeah, it's a lot of speculation. Um, from from what I've – the information that I've been getting was they're trying – they were trying to figure out what exactly – how to handle the spring sports. Since they kind of have a full season to go, and there are ideas of maybe pushing them to the end of the summer – and trying to jam them in into summer, early fall, uh, which wrestling, we, we wouldn't be able to do that. There wouldn't be the recovery time. So I, I can see how it makes sense to take care of the, the easier problem that there's a timeline to address wrestling. If you are going to give the seniors or national qualifiers another year, you've got a little bit more time to figure that out. You're not trying to crunch it into something that needs to be planned out for summer and fall. Um, but – uh, obviously i'm anxious I, i'd love to have all these guys get that year back uh, i think it makes sense for the qualifiers to to get it back i don't i don't think you can just blanket the whole the whole NCAA. um but i understand that there are complications that come with come of that you've got to figure out scholarship counts roster sizes budgetary um implications so it, it's not an easy problem to solve but it trying to stay hopeful that they do do right by those guys
1: yeah um you you mentioned you went through all these guys individually that you talked with and kind of how they handled it like what about you personally like how did you you know sit sit around and i don't know about grieve but talk with your coaches or or talk out some of your feelings rather than just you know help, helping these these young men out
2: uh yeah you know for for me it kind of all came a little bit further down the road because first, first thought is of the guys uh, and how this is affecting them personally and get kind of caught up in that, that you don't think too much about, Oh man, this, you know, this sucks for, for me too. Um, but it, it, it does. It, we, and, and I know I speak for the whole staff, we were on our way to doing something really special. Uh, and if you look at, the seeds and the ranks going into the NCAA tournament. We were we were in there at fourth, but even if you go based on the seeds, according to you guys in that article, we were still fourth-best team in the NCAA. But that's with having some guys, I think, that were grossly under you know, Like Luke Davison at, at 15. He, he's a guy that I think he was in a great place to make the semifinals of the national tournament. Shane Oster going in as a 20-seed after he's beaten how many of those guys that are, are seated above him. So, you know, I think we could have even had a, a better tournament than the ranking show. Uh, now it's the NCAA tournament and, and it, it's not just wrestled on paper. We have to go and perform. But if you look at how we were progressing um, and, and how well we competed at the big Ten tournament, we were, we were ready to go there and, and do some damage and come home with the team trophy. And, and uh, that would have been something pretty special for the program. It would have been, awesome for this staff to be rewarded like that because we've come a long way in a short time with this program from from when, it, when I took over as, as interim coach and then got had the chance to bring my own staff on board and, and put this together we've we've improved faster than any team in the NCA and this was a chance to have the fruit of those labors so it's it's unfortunate um, but I'm trying to say the same things to myself that I say to the guys on the team. You know, it can't be defined by by one competition. You got to look at at where we were as a program, and, and we know where we were. And I think a lot of people recognize where we where we were and where we got to, and what was about to happen in Minneapolis.
1: And and you you know, you talked about your team and the progress you've made, and. Where you came from, right? Which we'll just, just be blunt. It wasn't awesome, right? You guys weren't. wasn't great. Like, let's go back. Like, you know, you kind of got thrown into the mix. You're, you're brought in. You know, you're, you're moved up the head coach kind of on a whim. Immediately, like, because a lot of people are like, it's like being a head. Somebody the other day said, being a head coach is like being a parent. You just, you're never prepared for it. It just has to happen, and you have to figure it out. Like, was it kind of that? Like, you don't really know what you need to do until you have to sit in the driver's seat. Was there like anxiety, yeah. or am I going to be able to handle this? Or and here we are a few years later, and it's and it's it's going well.
2: Yeah, I, I had a, I think I had a full spectrum of emotions. Uh, there was, I, I was naive enough on one part of it to think, oh man, I'm ready for this. I got it. We're going to crush it. It's going to be you know to the moon, straight yeah. up. Then there's that there's always that little voice in the back of your head that you have a doubt here or there and the way things un- unraveled that that first season anything that could have went wrong went wrong <laughs> from on the mat to like the little things with calls by officials that you know razor thin margin of error to personal stuff with guys in the team outside of wrestling and injuries and it so I, I felt like once I got through that first season it was so bad and everything happened. You couldn't you couldn't have scripted it to be any more wild that after that first year it was almost like I, if I made it through this, I can make it through any season because it was absolutely a Murphy's Law year of Northwestern wrestling. And I almost had a roadmap from there. Like, okay, if this goes wrong, I've got to do this. If this happens, I can do this. And, and it gave me confidence knowing that we can we can make it through these these tough valleys, and we're gonna we're gonna see the sunshine again.
1: And then I guess how important was bringing bringing you know Jimmy and and Andrew and your staff on? Was that like pouring uh, a little bit, little bit of fuel on the fire?
2: Yeah, well, that was you know, that was really the the big that was the moment I needed to get to that was when I had a chance to really put my own stamp on it making my program because uh, up to that point I was just dealing with the pieces left behind of somebody else and once they dropped the interim title offered me the job uh, for that that next next season um, I had a chance to, to build it the way I wanted to build it and that started with hiring Andrew Howe I needed a rock star first assistant coach, somebody that uh, that was more of a, a partner in this process for me than than uh, an employee. And Andrew was that guy. He was the right guy to hire, and then picked up Brewer, and uh, we had Connor Beebe around for that first year, and and Connor was a tremendous help. He, he was huge for that transition. Um, I don't think I would have been able to do it without him. So I'm still grateful to Connor, um, and then. You know, as, as things progressed and then we had Mike McMullen come on board and you we know, had a chance to pick up Jimmy Kennedy. So I've been extremely fortunate with the coaches I've been able to surround myself with. And that's huge because I've said it a bunch of times, assistant coaches are, are the engine to the train. You know, I'm, I'm kind of the conductor, but without the right step, what, what, what are you really going to be able to do? You, you can't do it all yourself. So your, your roles change when you go from assistant coach to a head coach, and uh, you know, there, there are positives and negatives to, to each position. But that's that's my job is making sure that I have the right pieces in place to move Northwestern along and to get us to our top end.
1: Yeah. Um, going back to, you know, before they dropped the interim and hired you, I mean, was that nerve-wracking? Like, are they going to hire me or are they not? Were you confident they were going to?
2: Um, no, no, with, with how it was going, I was, I was anxious and it it almost felt like some of those matches were just brutal. And we only had 17 or 18 guys on the roster when I took over. And then we had three season ending injuries or all these things that were going crazy. So there are certain matches I, I was going out there with seven guys in a starting lineup. And you could have competitive matches with certain schools, but then you wrestle a team like Penn State or Iowa with a lineup like that, and it's tough. I felt like I was having my pants pulled down, and I was getting spanked in public for (laughs) things that somebody else did. I was being punished for, for things that weren't my fault. And there were times I'd come home, I'd sit on my couch and just have my head in my hands, and was nervous couldn't eat um can't sleep you're waking up every morning wondering like man is am i going to get a chance to really do this and, and you know more so than just wanting wanting to have a job yeah. I, I wanted to show what i could do with it because I, I i didn't have the opportunity yet to to make it my program and that's what i wanted i, I didn't want to go out on that note i didn't want to have it be a, a flash in the pan this was your one shot as an interim head coach and finish the year with a two and thirteen record and have full That's you know, that's Matt Storniolo as a head coach. That's his program. Uh, so yeah, I was nervous, I was anxious, I wanted a, a shot at really showing everybody what what Northwestern wrestling could be when I made it my program.
1: I think you've done a great job. Two and thirteen. That's not very good.
3: That's crazy. And and coach, you know, you mentioned the kind of the way that your guys were positioned for this NCAAs in 2020. I mean, yeah, you guys moved into top four in the rankings and how did you get the guys to come together and have the big tens that they had? And, and could you tell that the team was trending that direction all season or was it, you know, was it something that was surprising to you? How did you feel about that progress?
2: Uh, We just needed to get most of our guys in the mat at the same time. Yeah. Um, If if you go back and, and look at the season, even from that first Match against Virginia Tech. It was something like eight lead changes in that dual meet. We were right there, and it came down to heavyweight. We we lost that match on on bonus points, five five split. And what what did Tech end up in the dual rankings? Were they fifth or something around yeah. there? Six. They were really high. A week later, they go on to beat Ohio State. So we knew we were right there with all the top teams. Beat Northern Iowa. It, it was just a matter of do we have our full lineup? we were a little dinged up after after Midlands. We were missing Rivera, missing Yaya Thomas, and when we weren't a full lineup, we were susceptible. Now, even when we had guys out, we were we were in dogfights with a lot of top quality, you know, high quality teams, and beat some even even down down a one two three starters. So it showed that there was finally a depth to our program that we've been working hard to build. Uh, We we never had that when I was here as an assistant coach. But we're a team now that can be down one, two guys and still be in a position to win Big Ten matches against quality teams. So it, it wasn't a surprise to me. We knew how good we were. Guys just needed to stay the course and we needed to get them healthy enough that we had all or most of them out there, and, and then we're a dangerous team.
1: Um, NCAA championships were supposed to be out in Minneapolis at a football stadium. What were your, your thoughts on that whole situation?
2: Uh, I, I didn't love the setup. I, I thought that it was going to be built out to one side of that, that stadium. Um, and it was going to be a little bit more intimate. Now, it, it's hard to get a feel for it based on renderings that might not be to scale, But from a fan experience, I'm picturing being in one of those corner horseshoes and then having Matt Ten be on the other side, and how can you possibly see what's going on from the other side of a full football arena? And I know that they were going to have it up on screens, but if you're going to go to the NCAA tournament, why do you want to watch it on TV? You want to watch the action. So I didn't love the setup, but – I don't know how the atmosphere would have been. Maybe we get there, and that's the coolest environment guys have ever seen. It's unfortunate that we didn't get to find out. But my initial reaction was this: this isn't how a wrestling tournament's supposed to be.
1: Would you like to see him give it another shot? You know, I think they bid bid up for four for next four New Years next year.
2: I no? uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see it come to Chicago. I, I know there's a bid in for the United. So let's, let's put
1: that one in. I could see Chicago. That could be kind of cool. That'd be cool. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Tell me about this, this sweater thing you're wearing. You said you broke it out special for us.
2: It's for you, Bader. I want it to look nice and pretty for you. Uh, <laughs> new cardigan. Just just picked it up. Verity brand. Nice. Check them out. I will. I will.
1: I appreciate that you put that on for me. <laughs> me and Stormy go. we go back. Um, before I was working at Flow, actually, yeah. we, we used to pal around a little bit. I knew him through the Spates Brothers, and, and he actually came and played wiffle ball inside my house one night.
2: Yep. Yep. Nice. And I told you, Vader, I, I re sparked the, uh, the fire for wiffle ball. We, we played some wiffle ball in our hotel room um, at Big Ten's. <laughs> so you didn't know that we played in the apartment? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, what did you say? I cut ever played
3: I, I missed that part the audio was kind of cutting
2: in oh, it was the most fun wiffle ball game I've ever played was with Mark Bader and Justin Spates in the department yeah. what are the indoor rules indoor wiffle ball it's like
1: I think it was just if you hit it past the pitcher it's a hit okay right something like that
2: yeah I don't think we were really keeping score too much trying to crush the ball
1: yeah,
3: yeah.
2: trying to yeah, hit yeah. each
1: other
3: cool it's um. a good time coach you uh talked earlier about um eligibility relief you know they're going to vote on that uh and obviously you guys have a roster cap situation at northwestern if um if the guys got eligibility relief would that either next year i mean i know you just have shane oster as the one senior qualifier but but then in terms of the trickle down of those guys and getting an extra year would that would that kind of present some problems for your for your lineup moving forward and for your roster size
2: I don't think it would. Um, I, I know that there is some flexibility with, with the NCAA and Title IX. Um, for example, if you're one or two over your count for a certain year, you can give justification for it, and there's there's some leniency. Yeah. So two thoughts on this. One, this has got to be a situation where if they say, you guys get an opportunity to come back and, and do this, that would be a situation that is, is – Dude with some understanding by the NCAA and Title IX coordinators. The other side of it, too, is I don't think they're going to come back and say only men's sport get another year. Yeah right, yeah, right? So female counterparts that are going to balance it out. Now, if football was in this equation, you've got so many guys in football, that, that makes it tough. Sure. But with all the sports that are affected by this, there are female counterparts to the males, so it should all come out in the wash. At least that's the way I, I think of it. Right. yeah um
1: we're we're winding down on our time here but i know i asked you uh before we got on the air if you had a joke you could come up with to tell us i was just curious if you ever came up with a joke
2: okay now do you want to do you want a joke that i've heard from somebody and then i've regurgitated want like a couple of really bad laffy taffy style jokes that I, I mean apologize. it's
1: it's your call you can do <laughs> one of each if you want
2: all right um I thought of these one time on an airplane. I, I didn't have my phone died and I was trying to come up with uh, ways to entertain myself. So, what? what is a horse's favorite fighting style? Horse's favorite?
1: Muay Thai, because it's kicking, uses its leg. I don't know. What do you got?
2: I don't know. Karate? <laughs> two, two acceptable answers here. You can go with Hey. Okay. <laughs> Or you go with M-M-N-A. All right. Yeah, we'll sit
1: there. Okay, okay, I got one for you. All right. Knock, knock. Who's there? Kentucky. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> Kentucky who?
1: Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> That's not a joke.
3: We heard that yesterday from Chicago Winchester, and...
1: Uh, it's funny because <laughs> I don't know why. It's so stupid.
2: <laughs> we we should we should have stopped it on my joke.
1: Okay. When we go back, can we cut this part out? Uh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can. All right, Matt. Man, I uh, appreciate the time. Yeah. And uh, the jokes. Good stuff. As always, always. Uh, stay safe up there in your apartment, and keep keep that place clean.
2: All right, you guys too. Thanks for coming me on, guys. Thanks, Coach. Take care. Bye.
1: All right, a nice lively call with with Matt Storniolo. It was it, it was uh, interesting to hear, you know, him talk about how poorly they did that. You know, when he first took 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 over as head coach, and maybe how how anxious he was whether or not you know they were going to hire him and have an actual opportunity to yeah to prove himself.
3: So it was like having your pants pulled down and get spanked in public. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, man.
1: Thanks. <laughs> All right. Anyways, let's move right along. We'll bring our next guest on. Um, I'm from New Jersey. I'm guessing, but I don't know. It's Bryce Meredith, two-time NCAA finalist for Wyoming. Bryce, how's it going? Uh, uh, can you guys not hear
4: me? I can no. hear you now. Now I yep, do. You're great. Oh, we're good now. Yep. Yep. How's All right, it going? Good. It's good, man. I'm actually out in Wyoming. Uh, once okay. the quarantine happened, I I uh, came back here. I decided if there's ever going to be anything that happens like this, I should probably be in Wyoming and not New yeah. Jersey. I felt like The one time I was ever on living on the East Coast, really, there was an insane pandemic happening. So I was like, I better get back to Wyoming for a couple of days. Seriously. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good idea. How, when did you get, uh, get a chance to get back? Because it got bad out there.
4: Yeah, I mean, I got back. I mean, I traveled like a week ago. So, I know like we we weren't supposed to be traveling and stuff, but we were in quarantine. We were getting kicked out of the Princeton wrestling room, everything like that. So I was like, you know, we got a couple weeks off. I better run home. Uh, My parents are building a house up out here, so I had to come help them. You know, work work on that. So it worked out actually pretty nice for the, I guess, the time being.
1: Are you? uh, you, What do you mean? You're working on like their parents are building it? Your parents have like a company, you know? Uh, yeah,
4: well, like a little bit of both. Like my dad's, he, my dad is a construction worker, so he's pretty handy with certain things like that. And um, so he has a builder, but then he we can do some stuff on the side too. So okay. I got my investment property out here that I was trying to work on and do some stuff on, and then they have their property that I gotta you know work for free with them. Obviously, pay back the pay back uh, the twenty years of Life. them Yeah, giving me everything.
1: Yeah. What kind of, I'm interested, but like you do, uh, what kind of how construction work or just a little bit of, what, what do you, are you hammering stuff? Are you putting in a toilet? What do you like? Yeah, I mean, I'm
4: not that handy, obviously, because it's not like I've uh, worked in any type of construction business, but just being around it my whole life, I'm, you know, I'm decently handy with fixing stuff. So like, we'd like built forms for concrete yesterday. We poured concrete. We had people come and help finish it, obviously, just because it was like the front porch and stuff. So I, I can't really do anything like that um learning how to drive a skid steer a little bit better it's nice little uh life skills i guess that you kind of need for i don't know i don't know if i'll ever actually need them because i probably <laughs> be in the wrestling world and stuff my entire life so but it's it's always fun to you know i guess work beside my dad i think he likes that a little bit
1: yeah yeah i bet that's a really cool experience um as far as wrestling goes you know you're you're one guy that i i is, I've thought about with this so you know Olympics being postponed for a year. And I I know I'm, I'm pretty confident that you're you're going to pursue MMA. Um, you know, how does that work? You know, are you going to pause your pursuit of MMA for a year? Are you, you still planning on trying to make an Olympic run in 2021 or kind of a, a little bit of both?
4: Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I'm going to continue to wrestle, obviously, throughout 2021 and then kind of see what's going on there. I love where I'm at with New Jersey. I'm in the best place for one wrestling and then i'm also in a great place to train mma as well so um it's pretty easy to do a little bit of both and obviously right now like with this little break and stuff you know i've been trying to get in to a boxing gym here in cheyenne with some people that i know just hitting mitts and stuff like that because i don't really have anybody that's high enough level to wrestle with uh-huh at the moment so then i'm, I'm like well i might as well go work out with you yeah. know throwing hands and hitting mitts and stuff but ultimately i'm still very uh I'm still very focused on wrestling and I still have another year for sure of wrestling. And then after that, you know what I mean? Then we'll kind of read, have a new discussion of how much more wrestling I want to do and how much fighting I want to do. Because like I said before, like with the NJRTC, with everything that I have right now, it's pretty perfect. And I love what I'm doing. And so I don't want to run away from that too soon and then look back and be like, man, I should have gave my freestyle shot a little bit more time because as you guys have seen just in the last couple months or whatever, I, I think I've improved in my freestyle abilities a lot. So I got to, I got to see that out a lot more. I'm, you know, I've beaten a lot of these guys in folk style and now it's just time to beat them a little bit in freestyle. And I still haven't even really lost anybody bad. Like the worst person I've lost to got, I don't know, third in nationals probably in their NCAA career. Like I haven't lost to anybody that would be like, Oh, that's a bad loss or anything like that. It's just, you're dealing with, you know, a handful of dudes that are really, really tough at wrestling, one, and two, just a little bit better at freestyle than me.
1: Sure. Uh, as far as, like, uh, your boxing, right? You're boxing right now. You're going to a local gym
4: in, in Wyoming. How much boxing
1: have you done to this point?
4: Not a lot. I don't ever want to, like, exaggerate it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I can hit okay. I can I can do the right things, I think. Um, but ultimately, I think it's, it's just a lot of fun to learn because – in wrestling, you kind of just, you know, you learn a lot every single day, but it's kind of things that you already know to be true. You just have to implement them and become better at it. But when it, when you go in, when you go with boxing and when you learn kicks or even jujitsu at all, you, you might learn something completely brand new that you're like – because, like, we're infants, you know, mentally yeah. in, this, in this game. So, um, you know, I'm working there, and literally every, like, two seconds, they could be like, that's wrong, that's wrong, if they want to. You know what I mean? They obviously – won't do that and let you flow a little bit and then they'll tell you what you're doing wrong and it's just uh it's like a fun craft and that's kind of where i want to that's where i've been it's been um what should i say like appealing to me is within a couple years after i wrestle for a couple years i want to spend the next 10 years in a new craft maybe and spend time learning something new rather than just wrestle till i'm maybe 30 and then be done and now I can maybe wrestle till I'm like twenty seven and then fight till I'm thirty-seven. Just because uh, your career can last a lot longer if you know, as long as your brain and your body hold up.
1: Yeah, yeah. How about jujitsu? How much jiu-jitsu do you know? And how like you know, Yeah, we yeah, you we've done, done a little
4: bit, you know. Um, I think obviously my style of wrestling just kind of helps with that. I'm comfortable with rolling around sure. and being in those types of positions. Um, I've rolled a little bit when I was younger. Uh so, like, I kind of understood, like, the whole shrimping aspect. And I remember when I came to Flow, i try to show an idea of, like, how to shrimp off bottom and yeah. folks out wrestling, which is way different. But um, I really enjoy that process. I, I like just being able to just flow to your back and do crazy stuff. You know, it's um, it's just, like, it's a different game. It really is, like, way more chess-like. Like, because, like, we're wrestlers and we, we're, like, still fighting a lot of pressure with pressure. Yeah. And, like, you can just, like, tell, like, the guy, like, when we go to Renzo's or whatever and we're going with some of the best black belts in the world. They're just like chill out a little bit, but then that's also (laughs) what makes us be able to wrestle with them. So um, it's fun when we go there, they won't wrestle us on our feet. Really. They want to just start in their position. So you get kind of like, come on, man, like I got to have a little advantage here of starting on my feet, but um, it's, it's really just a cool process. It's fun to have like Nikki Rod come in and wrestle with us every single day. And then just kind of like have little insights like into that world. And I felt like, as how flow grappling and flow wrestling have really just connected um have really like connected the two worlds a little bit more than it's ever been.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um and, and I guess did you see that Shifting Gears a little bit talking about New Jersey and and your living situation and the house in New Jersey? Mike Mike Mal came up with a shooter. Did you get to check out that video that they put up the other day about Jal's house?
0: Yeah, of
4: course, man. I loved it. <laughs> I I thought you guys obviously you guys always do a great job, so um, it was fun because when I, it was funny when they left, I got a little bit like kind of nervous or whatever. I was like, I felt like I actually was only talking crap and that's obviously <laughs> how like, the setup was, you know, yeah. but I thought I was going like, to talk crap and then be like, but just kidding. I love these guys, everything, you know, I love the experience of living with these dudes, even though it's, you know, mayhem all the time, but yeah. I felt like I didn't get to say that too much. And I was like, Oh shoot, I might just sound like a big time hater, but the way that you guys put it together. Obviously worked out perfectly in, and, and I think everybody understood what was the the goal of the video. So it was, um, it was fun. My little sister, she keeps making fun of me now. From like when Downey was like, dude, he's always doing business. He's always doing business. Or whatever. <laughs> My Little sister's been on a kick, and she keeps making fun of me. So that that was really fun. Appreciate you guys for uh, doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was
3: great that thinking about that that business side of things and MMA are you are you having a lot of those kind of conversations getting things lined up um, so that so that you're you know lined up with the right promotions and promoters and, and those kinds of things
4: yeah absolutely I think that's one aspect of the game that kind of like is uh, appealing to me as well is there and I mean it's like a cutthroat business I so it, it could go bad but like for me I, I signed on with the management team and um, I love what they've done with for me already they've been so great for me and I felt like they're already you know putting me in positions where when the time comes I'm gonna be able to do pretty much whatever I want you know like when um people like me and Bo Nickel when we sign with uh these companies we already have the you know some of the biggest companies reaching out to try to set us up for promotions in their first fights like One FC, Bellator, stuff like that so the business side of that stuff is just really I think fun and unique and I've I think I've done a good job at doing that in the wrestling world as well Um, obviously like with wrestle boutique, I mean, I, I have my own shoe and I'm, I haven't even qualified for an Olympic trials yet. You know what I mean? So it's, it was, it's more than just how good you are. I think it's, you know, kind of the idea of like, what can you bring to the table? That's a little bit different. How can you be kind of business mindset? And that's obviously what I went to school for as well. So it's just very, um, appealing to me that you can kind of brand yourself differently. And I think wrestling is slowly. Stepping onto that very much, you know. You're starting to see personalities get a little bit louder. You're starting to see people kind of take their own um, their own paths and doing their own thing, like with David now with Scrap Life and all those guys have their own shoes. You know, like I felt like I was one of the first guys to do that, and I think everybody's going to start following that because, as everybody knows, when you're dealing with big corporations, it's pretty hard to get them on your side. One because it's wrestling; we're kind of like the minnows compared to the LeBron James. So, um, I I hope that. I could be not that I'm doing that much of like the first pioneer. There's a lot of other people, but I hope that I can be one of the pioneers of right now of people just taking control of their own business and kind of running with it. You see people in the music business, you know, talking about being independent and all that kind of stuff. And I'm hoping that wrestlers do that a little bit more, too, so we can just get a little bit of money squeezed out of the couple years that we have in this game.
1: For sure. Uh, as, as far as the Olympic trials go, you know, you had mentioned, you know, you feel like you're making some really good progress. Is this like almost a blessing in disguise for you because you have another year yeah. to sharpen your freestyle
4: skills? Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I had, you know, people tell me, oh, sorry to hear about uh, Olympic trials and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very real guy. I'm like, I haven't even qualified for trials yet. <laughs> like, this could be the best thing for me. You know, I could have a whole nother year of freestyle. I can get um, going and just I, I felt for actually, yeah, it was kind of exciting for me to be honest. Just because now I have more time to figure out how to wrestle freestyle. I felt like I was in a really good place, honestly, with like the last chance as it was. So um, it just gives me more time to continue my freestyle, uh, sharpening my skills at this highest level. Because I was good at freestyle when I was a kid, but you're a kid, you know. It's way different at this level when you're dealing with a 27 year old Jordan Oliver, who's you know yeah, pretty good. incredible, and then all these other guys too that are obviously just very sharp and. Their abilities to uh, manage a freestyle match. Good.
3: It seems like Bryce, you've been able to um, adapt your folk style uh, positions into freestyle, maybe more so than a lot of other guys. Um, has that been a specific point of emphasis, or h- how has that kind of developed?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it just started developing. I don't know, kind of naturally, but obviously it was because I was being stubborn with my folk style. Like ideas, you know, but like when I got on the top position, I know that when my, if I get somebody's arm behind their back, there's like a switch that flips in my mind where I'm just a complete killer. And I was like, want to take your shoulder off. And it's way different. Then I felt like, you know, if I lock up a gut on somebody, I'm kind of second guessing where my shoulder position is or how much should I actually, uh, like how much energy should I put forth going for this gut? Because I just haven't done them enough. So then I'm like, why don't I go to the positions where I know and mentally I'm so, like in love with how I act when I'm in that position. And that's why you've seen some of it. Like I get an arm bar on top and I'm ripping it off instantly. And, um, it's just like kind of little things like that where, um, I felt like last year I got so nervous about like my positioning Hmm. or what should I do? What should I do? And I'm like, why don't I just do what I know I can do? And when I found that a little bit, and then obviously with like, you know, a, a touch of freestyle on top of it, um, I just felt like I started becoming my own wrestler when I, felt as if I kind of was losing myself as my own wrestler. So I'm excited that I'm slowly continuing to figure those things out, getting more solid with my, you know, my sprawling defense, obviously, just because I can't be draped over the top on people. But even then I'm starting to figure out how to get into those positions, a little more freestyle oriented, kind of like what you see like David Taylor was doing to Burroughs with his cradle position back in 17 or whatever, 15, whatever that was like, figuring those positions out in a freestyle way has been a, it's been really fun and unique and um, and Reese has obviously has been super great with it you know what I mean he'll he'll give me like the freestyle foundation and then he'll be like all right now let's figure out how to do it in your way so That's it's cool. been cool
1: and, and that actual f- figure out in your way are you and Reese getting on the mat and just like going slow and playing around and figuring
4: it out is that is that how you do it yeah a little bit of that and then a, a, a lot of bit of like when I'm going live and I drape over the top and then somebody gets me into that fountain position he'll like stop me right after the go he'd be like you got to quit doing this you got to you we have to figure out how you're going to not get draped over or whatever and then we'll kind of figure it out together then we'll slow roll it in and uh i mean he does a really good job at you know that kind of stuff anyways and the coolest part about the njrtc is you have like four or five guys that are really really good that wrestle completely different so you find Mm -hmm. you find something new every go like You'll find something different when you go with Boris as compared to A- Anthony Ashnall, compared to Matthew Kolodzic, compared to Reese, compared to Tyler Graf. where like everybody's pretty much national finalists, champs, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's another reason why, you know, I, I can't leave the wrestling idea yet because I'm in the greatest position. I'm in the greatest state for wrestling. Um, I've just, you know, just really been loving the, the dynamic of the New Jersey Re- regional training center.
1: Uh Bo- Boris Novotkov, what you know what's it like wrestling him can you describe his style and and feel Yeah
4: I actually do pretty good with Boris I I'm like it's funny because I I will get Boris sometimes he'll get me sometimes and then like he can get Reese sometimes and I'll never get Reese ever you uh, know what I mean so it's like the dynamics of the room are so funny where um but Boris is so he's so unique because he's obviously been a folk style American wrestler so he knows how to like handle the weird hand-, hand fighting and the nonsense of like folk style but then he's also foreign and he has like his little weird stuff and he'll stand kind of like sideways in front of you where you're like how's he just gonna stand sideways and I'm not gonna be able to blast him and take him down but he figures it out and he's, he really is a little cat like his name, like Loagato, right? It's, it means cat in Spanish, and that's really what he is, just the way he can float in and out of positions and, like, kind of find his way. Um, obviously, you can see, like, probably from his flipping and doing all that stuff, like, he's he's funny, man. He wakes up in the morning, he makes breakfast, and then he'll just go be at a park for, like, four hours and just be flipping <laughs> off a bar. And you <laughs> don't see him until lunchtime. I'm like, where you been? He's like, ah. Oh, and, and then you'll just see on his Instagram story, like, he was at a park for, flipping off <laughs> monkey bars and you're like man it's, it's just a unique uh dynamic of a human really he sounds very very interesting uh um, yeah he's a really sweet guy man he is i i really in, enjoy him now now that i know him because obviously when i didn't know him i wasn't really sure but now that i know him and i've lived <laughs> with him he's uh, he's you know and like it, any time of the day it could be it, it could be 2 a.m. and you'd be like, hey, you want to go wrestle? He would pop right up and just be like, yeah, sure, let's wrestle. <laughs> like, he just loves it. So, it, he's he's funny. What's uh,
1: your favorite and least favorite thing about living with him and Pat and, and and that whole situation?
4: I would say, and I always say this, right? Like, I think this happens with relationships. I think this happens in life, whatever. All the reasons why people love you will always be the reasons why they hate you, <laughs> too, right? Yeah. So So, like, I like living with them because I like chaos too. I, you know what I mean? I like just living around four crazy dudes all the time. You never know what's going to happen. But then also, like, I hate that a little bit sometimes too. Like, I'm just <laughs> trying to chill, whatever. And then I walk out and the kitchen's a mess and they're, you know what I mean, screaming at each other at, at midnight or whatever because they're playing darts and <laughs> somebody's doing UFC, MMA tap out stuff in the kitchen. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, we go to bed, but, um, so I always say that I think the reasons why we fall in love with people also are the reasons why we hate them. So <laughs> that's kind of how it goes with the NJRTC. That's a great way to put it. I
3: now mean, I'm thinking about, um, Boris being in the house and he has, he has such a unique experience. Um, he's been to the world championships. He's been in some incredible matches. I mean, I think about the match with, with Romanoff that he had. And, uh, do you, do you get a chance to pick his brain about what it's like to compete on that stage and, um, you know, how does that – does that – yeah, are those conversations you guys yeah, have? We, yeah,
4: we – yeah, I actually have. Like, uh, you know, I normally like I feel like a lot of times in situations like that, wrestlers, you kind of just don't talk about those situations or, you know, whatever. You just kind of flow with it. But um, it's been fun like him knowing like what he was doing in 2016 to almost get him to that level or when he's beating these world champions or, you know, I mean I, I put it as simple as like – I mean he's beat Jordan Oliver. Like not a lot of people yeah. have beat Jordan Oliver all these other world champions that other people obviously don't know, but I I put that into uh, perspective when I'm talking about this guy and just the ability for him to be able to wrestle with anybody at any time is really impressive to me. Like even like when like when Downey grabs him, I feel like he can like survive way longer than what I would survive. You know, like yeah. Downey would probably just pick me up and slam me in like ten seconds, <laughs> but then it takes boris like he'll he'll kind of run away and he'll kind of you know float away from things and it'll take 30 seconds let's just say or whatever so for me it's just been cool to like talk to him and try to figure out and because he'll be like yo why like why do you do that against colo like colo's going to take you down every single time you do that so why why post like that on him or something like that you know and i'm like yeah "Yeah, it's a really good point he's he's very good at uh changing his (laughs) he's kind of kind of like a mayweather almost you know like he'll kind of change the style completely in a match where I'm the worst about that. I'm just like, Nope, if it, I'm going to just beat you. And if I don't beat you, then you're the better wrestler at the time. And so for me to see him do that and talk to him about that, it's opening my mind of like, Oh, quit being so hard nosed that you just got to go out there and, you know, beat somebody like trick them. You can trick people in freestyle. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Folks? It's a little bit that I think, but freestyle, you can trick them. And so I'm trying to learn from him through him, and other people obviously that like you got to learn to play the game a little bit differently
1: what do you like about freestyle and you know you you your style was so good for folk style the rolling around and and fluidity um you had to change it at least a little bit but what is it about freestyle that you like the most
4: um i mean i really do like the you know like the exposure aspect of it like the, the high flying, like when somebody hits a fireman's carry, like you should get four points for that. Like you should get points, right? And, but like in folk style, somebody hits a fireman's carry, dumps him, the guy kind of slips their arm out, gets out, and it's zero points. You're like, all right, well, I don't know about that, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, I do like the idea that, you know, and I'll, I mean, when I'm in practice, I'll start trying to throw people way more often and stuff now too, because it's actually worth trying. In folk style, mm-hmm. I feel like none of that stuff's worth trying. So I really do like the aspect of the, um, trying to expose people in high moves and all that kind of stuff. It's making my mindset with the upper body and other positions be more, uh, I think, you know, more like uh, serious about those types of moves, I guess you can say. Um, but then, like I say, I always, the only reason why I like folk style more is because I don't truly feel like technique wise, I'm way better than everybody else. I just felt that I was way, I'm good enough and tough enough to beat you for seven minutes and I feel like I just lost that a little bit in freestyle just because you know when somebody would take me down I would keep them down and then I would get an escape and then I'd be right back in their face and just the, that that four or five seconds the normal watcher it doesn't realize how much that breaks the other guy compared to like freestyle I have to get down on my belly I have to stop I can't you know what I mean like I can't yeah. continue to wrestle with them and I'll I'll do that sometimes and it's stupid and I'll get up end up getting rolled or something so um, those little things that I lost in folk style, but I'm trying to uh, combat it with the high flying and stuff like that. Cause I was good at throwing and stuff when I was a kid. So I'm trying to get back to, cause I'm tall too, you know, just lawn, like grabbing people and trying to launch them and do stuff for at least it to be threatening, you know, at the, at the very least.
1: I think it's really interesting that, that point you just made about the, the four or five seconds that you don't see, you can't tell by looking how much of a difference it makes. Um, but you know, as you say it, I'm thinking, yeah. Nobody likes getting let up, and the guy's pulling on your head as he's letting you up, and then he's right back in your face. Um, you, you, you talked about how you and, and Boris kind of talk about wrestling and, and the, the way you think in the positions. Um, you know, how, how much time during the day are you thinking about wrestling, and how often does it come and go from from your consciousness? And are you thinking about like these specific things that you kind of just mentioned?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think my I mean, especially because, like, we don't really have, like, real jobs and stuff. I got my little property or whatever, and that's why they're joking about that. Like, I'm doing business all the time, (laughs) but I'm, I'm really not doing anything, you know? So, I think naturally, like, our brains are just floating in and out of combat sports all the time. Like, we'll just be sitting there, and, like, we'll just pretend, punch each other and try to figure something out. Or, like, how will I throw a switch kick here? And then we'll start doing it with the wrestling, right? And then we'll be like, ooh, like, ooh, if I grabbed you here and I grabbed you there, like... And it's funny because I think uh, somebody like Boris and, like, Downey, right? Like, a lot of people just think that Downey's, like, the strongest guy, and that's why he's good. It's like, no, he's good because he actually has a lot of good technique, and the things that he, like, every single day, he has, like, an epiphany. It's hilarious, right? Like, he has, like, an epiphany. And then, like, being around people that are having epiphanies about wrestling 24-7, and you have Boris who's just kicking stuff and punching stuff and wrestling (laughs) Downey 24-7, like – naturally that's what you're going to start thinking of all the time too and i think obviously you have before but um in our household it's like fun because it's always a fun dynamic of thinking about wrestling not uh i'm gonna just hand fight you to death i'm gonna hand fight you to death i'm just gonna beat you up no i'm just not gonna eat food i'm gonna go get be serious i'm gonna go lay in my bed and get focused for practice tomorrow or something because that's how a lot of wrestlers are you know they just get very serious and i think for us like We're just as serious as them. It's just in a different way. It has to be more playful because if it's not playful, then it just seems like a job. And when you make it a job for us, it's like, it's just not as fun. We're trying to become the best athletes. We're not in the military. And that's how I, that's how I feel a little bit with college programs. I think they run a little bit too much like a military. And I was, I'm very fine with that. Like I'll run for four hours if that's what you tell me to do, you know? But I think at the end of the day, like we're just professional athletes how do we become the best wrestler we can be? And I think um, thinking about those in different ways and, and then transitioning into, you know, jujitsu and then transitioning, it kind of takes your brain off of it, but it's still the same. And so it like helps you manage, I guess, the, the workload of thinking about sports too much.
1: Inside the mind of Bryce Meredith.
4: It's really interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff, Bryce.
4: Yeah. Thank you guys so much. You have any epiphanies lately? Yeah, man. I have a lot of epiphanies I had. (laughs) So I have an epiphany about, and this is kind of what I was just talking about. I think it goes well with it. So it's, it's like trying to expand our identity, right? So I think a lot of times people get stuck with their identity as being, I'm just a wrestler or, um, you know, I'm just a, let's just say even like a Christian or I'm just a book writer or I'm just this. And, if your identity is only the size of a bathtub, right? Because it's very small, and somebody throws a brick into it, it's gonna be like, what the heck? Like you just you just came at my identity. You just threw a brick in my bathwater? Like, what's going on here, right? It's gonna be very like shaking to you, and it's gonna be hard to like manage what just happened. So for me, I think the goal is to try to always expand our identity. So our identity is more like the size of a pool or more like a lake, or more like an ocean. So when somebody throws rocks, at you you know or tries to attack one part of your identity it's like oh you just only hit a little part of it i'm much more than just you know i'm much more than just a wrestler i'm a business guy i'm a this i'm a that and for me i think uh i want little like younger kids to realize that be very focused and you got to pretty much give all your time to wrestling if you're going to be a wrestler but also expand your identity and try to become more and when you do that like life's not a science project right like you can't control the little variables so just try to just try to be all of it and do all of it and succeed at all of it and live virtuously through it and I think good things happen and that was I've been having that epiphany for the last little bit and I think mostly it was just because we were talking about that so that's why I really wanted to run with that
1: that's a great analogy
3: it's interesting right because like you see you see like some like you see people lose it online or like you know they get really mad because like one little thing somebody says and it's just
4: their whole world and yeah it just shakes yeah. them. yeah i mean you see like with like political beliefs is obviously yeah. like the easiest one to poke fun at like somebody's like for me it's really crazy that somebody's so left or so right that with one little thing gets thrown in their their little bathtub of being left or right it just they have to blow up you know what i yeah. mean it's yeah it's uh i think it's cool to try All to expand right. it <laughs>
1: Bryce, uh, man, you've been dropping a lot of knowledge on us, a lot of wisdom. I appreciate that. We are running close to the end of the show. And I asked you before if you had a joke. You had a joke for us?
4: All right. I don't. i I'm not that good at jokes. But I do remember one joke about it was like in my negotiations class in college. All right. So um, a guy goes into his boss and he's like, hey, the economy is in a bad place right now. You know, um, and, but I have three companies coming after me. Right. So we either need to negotiate. uh you know, a little raise or I'm going to have to go a different directions. So obviously the boss, you know, was like, all right, yeah, let's negotiate it. Let's figure it out. And then at the end of the conversation, he goes, all right, I'll give you a 5% raise. And he was like, all right, thank you very much. And he goes, hey, if you don't mind me asking, what were the three companies that were coming after you? Um And he goes, well, it was the electric company, the water company, and my phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> so that no, that's was – it's yeah, good. and I thought it kind of funny because obviously the economy is in a tough spot right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, it is.
4: All right, it's a good
1: joke. I like it. I give it. Give it a passing grade. Um, Thank you. All right, Bryce, any
4: any parting words before we get out of here? Um, Everybody just stay positive. Um, if anybody needs anything, you guys know you can always reach me on social media, and I will try to message you back. I say this at every wrestling clinic. I love everybody that I get a – you know have a conversation with even if it's through the internet and through our phone so if you are in hard times or if anything's going on just message me and i'll do the best i can even if it's just sharing a little wisdom and um that goes for everybody out there so don't be shy i love you guys i love flow thank you guys for giving us a platform honestly
1: awesome man hey thanks so much bryce hey and our producer is from wyoming so he just gave
4: a big Go Wyoming! Shouts. Let's go. We
3: got all the Wyoming boys. I up. know. Dude. It's yeah. Wyoming's kind of taking yeah. over. <laughs> I
4: know. That's it is. It's like once Kanye said something about Wyoming. Now everybody wants to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Cowboys. All right. All right, Bryce. Take care. Have a see
1: great day. Stay safe. Right. Yeah. See you guys. All right. Thank you.
4: Man, you know
1: Bryce is more than ten years younger than I am, but like he just he always seems to have some kind of strong words to to talk about and live by.
3: Yeah. Yeah, man, it's valuable to spend time thinking about things and, yeah. like, you know, processing your thoughts. And you can tell Bryce does that.
1: Yeah, wrestling epiphanies. Mm-hmm. What's up next?
3: We got Anthony Ashnault coming up next. What? Schnalty. Uh, yeah, man, NCAA champion, and and we, uh, I just hit him up this morning, um, kind of a last minute addition, and really glad he can jump on. So
1: yeah, bring him on whenever you're ready. What's up, Schnalty?
3: Can you hear us, Anthony?
1: Uh oh, rubbing his arm. You can tell we're staring at him, though. Yeah. Can you hear me?
3: Sounds like we're having a. All right. Trying to right. yeah, get connected with. Anthony.
1: Get the guys in the back to work on getting that resolved. Every once in a while, it's maybe a yes. setting on his computer you where you need to get. Uh, I don't know if it's on his or eyes, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're working on it right now. They're having. They're going to change it over. Maybe we gotta that. ask
3: him about that backdrop he's got. It's pretty cool when he gets on.
1: Yeah, that's sweet. Of course, he was here just uh, what was it? Just a couple months ago. Nine? Mm-hmm. Was it even t- maybe two months ago? I'm Not sure. Yeah. But came in, spent the day with us, made technique videos, told a bunch of stories, did a little mobbing skit. Yeah. He's walking around the office mobbing on everybody.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, and he's
1: a. Uh, Qualified for the Olympic trials.
3: Yeah, he just – Quietly. It's, yeah, it's super interesting. And he, he was very strategic about that. He told us he told us that that was the plan when yeah. he was here in the office. And I really want to ask him about that and get his perspective. And, you know, another New Jersey guy, I'm sure he's rolled with Bryce Meredith uh, plenty of times at the NJRTC. Yeah. Um, so so uh, we got back-to-back New Jersey connections. Yeah. Um, and
1: Bryce mentioned, you know, all the guys – and it's not till he said it. He's like, we got five like really good guys. And I'm thinking like Downey and and all these bigger guys. And then he's like, no, all Colo, him, Elgato, Schnalte. Uh, I mean,
3: even you know Quincy Monday when he's yeah. when he's in town. Um. So, yeah, it's that's Reese. a it's a Reese, It's a great group of of guys that can help if you're in that you know 65 kilo range. If you're one weight or you know within one weight class of that, you're it's one of the one of the best places you can be in terms of just sheer number of really good training partners there.
1: And as he pointed out, it's not just the, the sheer number, right? But like they all have different styles and they all bring yeah present different problems and, and bring different things to the table when you're trying to compete against them.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully we get that audio connection working here pretty soon. Um but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to hearing from him. And then and then uh after that we got Steven Abbas coming on. Steven
1: Abbas, man, he was like, not mythical because I got to see him. But it was back before, you know, before really the internet took off and we consumed most of our wrestling that way. It was like an NCAA tape Mm -hmm. or I don't know. I don't even remember. I guess you just, you weren't watching video on websites back then. No. So it was was only TV. Yeah. And, you know, and I I did some, you know, I went, got to watch him at the NCAA tournament a couple of times and that was like magical he's just yeah. dusting guys and yeah he's like playing with them it's ncaa championships
3: yeah those i mean those ncaa finals were some of the only wrestling matches that that you could see on tv yep. and he won it three times so you know year after year after year you get to see him come back and and compete and yeah his style was so fun and it was like it, like for me it was like impossible to think about wrestling that way like it was like that how does he How does he do that? Like, you know, so
1: the uh, the first or second, I think it was the first NCAA championship I went attended as a as a spectator. I was in college, and he did this thing where he like was wrestling a guy, and he literally, yeah, he literally turned his back and like turned around. I I I I have to ask him about it when we get to there, but I'm like, what is he? Is he just playing with his food? Yeah, just playing with it. Yeah, was he like trying to mess with their head? Was this some kind of a setup? Was this like actually part of a way to wrestle? Or are you just making these guys I, – I, I was trying to put myself in that situation. Like what was – that was me out there. Yeah. Wrestling the number one seed early in the tournament. And he's like mocking mocking me maybe, right? Yeah. Is it to yeah. strike the fear? I probably would have got scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is going on? You ever, I ain't grabbing his leg. This is, a, this is a
3: trick. You ever wrestle with somebody, whether it's practice or in a match, who, who just kind of mess with you a little bit? Play games with you. You ever have that experience where somebody, either, yeah, whatever, uh, turn their back or they do this something just to? Oh kinda... sure,
1: I mean, just I, I can't think of a specific example, but yeah, yeah, we've we've done that, just... yeah. God, I'm gonna go way outside the box today. Yeah.
3: yeah. One of my I remember one of my one of my college teammates, uh Enoch Francois, he came, oh, yeah. he, you know, Enoch, when he came in, he was a one sixty five pounder, which is hard to believe now because he's Jeez. he's you know ninety seven kilo guy, but um but man, his hands were so strong, his grip strength was so strong. And I was one forty nine pounder. I remember during you know, first day on campus or whatever, he came in. He uh we got we got him? We're close? But we close. Uh, we're close. He's on the He Enoch, oh. Enoch would grab my wrist, and, like, it was like you he would mess he would just mess with me. Just, you know, and I start to pull so hard. It's the setup he's in on the
1: shot. It's annoying. But looks like maybe. We're getting closer. We got video. Still, I don't hear his audio. Can
5: yet. you hear me now?
3: They are working on it. So... Can you hear me? Producers have been on, like,
1: triage duty all week. Yeah. getting Getting technology to cooperate. They are. Busting their butts back there Trying to get everybody patched in And Using different ways So he can hear us But I don't believe We can hear him yet Not yet And I remember Man Watching watching Anthony Back in the day Like Super 32 That's kind of where I really Started to notice him And it was like And really It was Joe Joe Williamson Was covering Doing a lot more coverage He's telling me About this kid Anthony Ashnell And uh Tearing it up, you know, yeah. Super 32s, New Jersey states, and she's yeah. kind of one of the best guys that had come out of there in a long time.
3: Yeah, man. If he, I, I, um, when he was here in town, he he sat down with Andrew Spey and and was a guest on his podcast, and they they had some really interesting conversations about. Um, and I, you know, I I knew Anthony as like this guy that was doing this incredible feat of you know four time state champ in New Jersey and all this kind of stuff. But it's really interesting to hear him talk about. You know, setting that goal and then going to Rutgers where where they hadn't had, you know, a ton of success and setting that goal of being, you know, an All-American right away. And then he was and he was a four-time All-American. He was the first, you know, he and he and Suriano were the first NCAA champs for Goodale. And that um, it's just, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen based on what had happened in the past. It was really interesting to kind of hear his perspective yeah, so on you're
5: that. Right now? Yes, I hear, sir. I hear, I hear you uh, now. There Dude, he I is. Had great setup. I had a great setup and everything, man, just gone gone to shoot, gone
1: to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to uh Adjust on the Fly, right?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, that... I tried to go AirPods like wasn't they weren't working. They were working, I could hear you guys, but you guys couldn't hear me. Uh I yeah. couldn't hear you. What was that? Yeah, I... What's what's that backdrop you got, Anthony? See, like I had this cool setup. I got a little uh wrestling room down here. I don't really even know if I can flip the screen, but this is like, uh, this is a poster from I was wrestling Josh Jeva as a freshman cool. at Rutgers, and in the corner of the poster it says like we want NCAA champions. Um, but I, I looked at that poster so many times in college at gym, and then I got to keep it when we moved wrestling rooms to the new place. So That's I got awesome. it down here in my little wrestling room at home. So it's cool, cool little reminder. You got a home wrestler. Everybody every
1: day we talk to somebody who's in their home wrestling. Last it was Nico. Megalutis yesterday was Yanni the day before um, oh, yeah. you're in your wrestling room Is is this like at your
5: parents house no I'm uh I'm on my own with two roommates okay uh, yeah no I just had mats and it was a big enough basement so we do like it's like a one little cylinder one circle mat with another little half circle it's enough for like only me and one guy or like maybe two little kid groups if I have little kids down here but it's perfect during this time, it's perfect, man. I'm able to stay in shape. I got a bunch of weights, heavy heavy sandbags, and everything you could ask for.
1: Nice. Hey, first, could you just – would you mind turning your phone sideways? It might help help a little bit.
5: There we go. Tough lighting.
1: Yeah. That's, that's all right. <laughs> we got to take what we can get at this point. Tough yeah. Lights behind you are not helping the case. But- Tough
5: lighting, here. Yeah.
1: If we gotta go, if you gotta hold this straight up to make it look better, that it's not gonna be, you know. We're we're doing the show and producing it at the same time. Yeah, no problem. All, all you want one. my arm
5: going? sore. Yarns what? You want my arm going sore doing this? Well, I figured,
1: you know, we try to get you a workout, and if if that's good, if that's yeah. gonna be uncomfortable, man, you can put it the other way. I just
5: um, no, it's all good.
1: I don't know. I don't want to hurt those little muscles of yours.
5: <laughs> no, nah, they're getting bigger and bigger so it's all good cool um so let's talk about um
1: qualifying for the olympic trials the olympic trials get canceled postponed at least a year kind of how was your feelings about this i know you you were ramping up trying to make a run and now it's now you can't you gotta wait a year
5: yeah i mean you've heard from a lot of people i'm sure but it just it's like a little dagger but uh you know there's bigger things than wrestling in this world, and this is one of them for sure. Uh, I'm I'm in the middle about it. Like, yeah, I was excited. I was feeling great. I came off Pan Ams where I qualified, and um, it was a great momentum for me, and I had great training going into it, and I was very confident. But um, on the other spectrum, man, we got to stay safe, and we got to follow protocol. Um, kind of got to wait this thing out and try to battle it. As a team, like, more than a team in wrestling, this is a bit something bigger. So um, that's first. But the other aspect for me, I was coming back from a knee injury only about nine months out still, even though I was competing and I was 100% cleared and I felt great. There's some confidence things that just take a long time to get back in different positions. So I'm excited to have more time on my hands to get in even better, better uh, shape and more comfortable in those positions that maybe I'm not comfortable in yet with that. Uh, so that's exciting for me, too, and it's it's a little ease off my mind that I know I'm going to be the best form that I possibly can be when it's time to go. Yeah,
3: Anthony, talk a little bit about that experience you had at, at the Pan Am Championships. Um, and, you know, for people that don't kind of know the difference, you wrestled in the, the Pan Am Championships, and then the week later was the Olympic Trials Qualifier, but um, you represented the U.S. at 70 kilos and won that bracket, and that's how you qualified. Uh, talk about that experience and um, just, I don't know, it's kind of a unique tournament, I
5: would imagine. Yeah, I mean, when I went out there to wrestle, I, I didn't, I didn't really think it was a thing to be uh, like. I didn't think it was a possibility to have to cancel the event from the Pan Am Championships. Um, sports, major league sports, and the NBA didn't really cancel their seasons till when we got home from that trip. So I didn't really put it together. I was so just focused on winning that tournament and get qualified for the trials, and I was really excited about it. How I was feeling about it. Um, that I was just so focused, I didn't think about anything until after that tournament. Then I got home and it just kind of hit me, like going through the airport and stuff. I was like, "Dang, like I'm so blessed that I got to get this in." I was thinking like trials might get pushed back. There might not be opportunities to get qualified. That I'm so I was just so grateful to have the opportunity to still be in the mix to be an Olympian, which is my goal. Um, but on top of that, then I started just getting hit with reality like it was a crazy time in our world just everything getting shut down sports getting pulled from us every single sport um as a sports fan in general it was just like it's can't you, like it's hard to watch tv for me i got nothing to watch you know um but <laughs> yeah. but bigger than that it's like the olympics are starting to have rumors to get canceled at this time frame before the pan Am- olympic qualifiers. so just a lot of nerves and a lot of unsettling feelings so it affected my, my, me personally affected my training and my motivation. I just, for some reason, I've always been very, very motivated, but it just seemed to, like, just sting a little bit knowing that it could get pulled from us and hearing rumors that it would be canceled completely without being postponed. It was just like, what? Like, we worked so hard for this. And then you start thinking about me personally. Like, I start thinking about guys like Jordan Burroughs who is a little older, has a family. Maybe it's his last time. We don't really know, but, like, they put a lot into this. Like, I feel young in the sport. I got a lot more to go, I feel, but other guys, like, they're gearing up for their last run, maybe. You don't, we don't know that and uh, it's just like the unknown is very unsettling.
1: Yeah, I I think, um, I think I've had a lot of the same thoughts about Jordan and and other people who might, you know, are on the, you know, that side of their career. Um, Every year is, it's an extra year, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so,
5: um so yeah and they already like so those guys like a lot of us and those guys like we already made sacrifices the trials were short short term away it wasn't like we were going to training camps now for trials like everything to prepare was already done sacrifices yeah. made away from yeah. families time spent training away from families diets that went into it like there was already so much sacrifice time that got just pulled them there's still a lot of unknown which is frustrating yeah, but uh, it's the world.
1: We just had Bryce Meredith on, and and he was kind of talking about the training situation up there with, and and he, until he laid it out, I was like, holy cow! Like all the guys in the middle, light middleweights. You know, you, him, uh, Novatchkov, Kolodzik, Reese um and i started named guy by guy i was like holy cow yeah this is that's a great situation and i asked him can you kind of compare and contrast because they all have different styles and and maybe if there's guys you like wrestling um not because maybe you can beat them but just because of the way the the wrestling goes you know with the different styles
5: for sure it just uh it's great for every aspect i mean competitiveness Like me personally, like it takes me to another level when Nick Soriano got to come into our room from Penn State, like that elevated my wrestling to another level, not just having to wrestle with him, but just his presence in the wrestling room and his work ethic. And that goes along with all those guys in the NGRTC, just them coming into the room brings another level of intensity. Even if I'm not getting to go with them that day, it's like, um, whether it's their credentials or the way they work, or it's the recent competitions they've been in, it's like, um, not that you want to one-up your teammate, but it's always a better atmosphere when your teammates are successful. You're almost trying to duplicate success. or You are trying to kind of one-up each other, but in a good way, you're just natural natural competitiveness in the room. And um, that's a big aspect for me that helped a lot. On top of that, getting to actually roll with Bryce, uh, Reese, Boris, um, Kolodzic, and all those guys, just it's a big... Um, a big help for me because i have been at Rutgers for longer than I can remember at this point. And um, it's just good to have fresh hands on deck for me and have new partners, new feels, different, different kind of things. Like I, I was listening to Bryce talk about Boris wrestling um, about 30 minutes ago and everything he said is spot on. I mean, he's just different feel. Like it's good to get with a guy like that. Uh, he's, he's a foreign feel for sure. But I mean, I think foreigners don't even wrestle like him. He's so yeah. loose and lassical, so it's like it's just good to feel that, um, especially when you're not, you're used to just brawling. Like Bryce was saying, he's used to brawling. I feel similar to that. I'm used to in your in your face wrestling seven minutes and um, wrestling on top for sure. I was really good at, so I, I, it's an aspect that I I don't really get to utilize as much in freestyle. So it's uh it's definitely good the transition to freestyle to have those guys because um, we're not wrestling folk style anymore. So as much as it's a good thing to get in shape and go with the college guys and go through their system. It's, it's a new sport. Um, not completely different, but new rules, new strategies, new tactics. So it's good to get with each other that are only freestyle guys and have those practices set aside to do that.
3: Anthony, you said that, um, one of the hardest things about the Olympics being postponed is all the, all the uncertainty and all the unanswered questions uh, what are some of the big questions that you have, you know, when you think about 2021 and just all the things that we don't
5: know right now? Um, The biggest questions is just dates. Like I would like – obviously I'd want – like everyone probably wants dates that they could have to know when to have to compete, to know when the trials are, to know when the Olympics are, to know when the last chance qualifier is, to know when the last chance – um olympic qualifiers for 65 kilos for us um those are all things that i would really love but at the same time right now i feel like america i mean we don't know what's happening with this covid 19 virus like it could get drastically better it could get drastically worse right now so right now health is the number one priority for me and um for the people around me uh at the same time like i got a very great situation where even though it's all unknown, I could stay like I don't have to train seven days a week, three hours a day. I could be very uh controlled in my training. I could do great work with great partners. Um in my little basement here, get great cardio and good lifts and good runs and I got a rope outside, get good uh muscle endurance, cardio wrestling endurance. So I'll be I'll be great. I'll be fine, but um It's just the thing the uncertainty thing is like you got to stay ready and how long are we gonna have to stay ready and um for me personally like i was coming down on a weight class wrestling 149 in college wrestling 70 kilos international having to go 65 kilograms for trials like i was preparing for that and i was Mm -hmm. doing it accordingly so that's another big aspect for me i i want to know the dates so i know i have to know when it's really time to get down and um do it the right way
1: you know trying to come down to 65 once you heard that the Olympics were officially postponed for a year, did you go out and like get an ice cream or get some kind of greasy treat?
5: Yeah, I'd say like uh, for three days. For three days, <laughs> even before the <laughs> announcement, I just had the, I had the feeling, and I was like telling I was telling you guys before. Like I'm sure a lot of other athletes experienced that even more so than wrestlers. People like swimmers who couldn't get to pools, or other athletes that really couldn't even get to their sport and play at all. Like you just get a little depressed thinking those thoughts and i was like there's no way we could have an olympic games if this is happening through yeah, like yeah. may april there's just no way if people aren't training the way they could be training there's going to be too much going on um so then from that mo- those thoughts i was like screw this i'm getting fat for a little bit and even in my head, I was like i'll get down if i have to get down but uh yeah there was a couple of days i didn't want to look at the scale not just ice cream i just went all out just for a couple of days <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was what was your what's your go-to
5: uh well we like to cook a lot at the house but ice creams definitely my go-to there's a place in, in New Jersey Hoffman's ice cream they got like three three locations I'll give them a quick plug they're my favorite coffee hey. o- coffee Oreo ice cream they homemade coffee, it's tough like tough it. to turn Oreo down ice cream. I like oh it God that sounds delicious tough to turn down it's like cookies and cream with coffee O combined yeah coffee yeah combined. Oh, I'd like a pint please yeah. sounds good take yep, it off milkshake every time. I get I get disappointed. I'll go in and I'll think like I want something different because it's like one of those with a bunch of flavors. I'll get something different and I'll be so disappointed. I'll be like, "Ah, why did I do that?" Can't believe I didn't get the coffee Oreo.
1: (laughs) Next time I come up there, I'm I'm gonna come with you. uh, Take me out there get some coffee Oreo.
5: Yeah, get some pizza first, and then we'll go get some coffee Oreo ice cream.
1: Hey, that sounds like a that sounds like a plan. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. What's up? Have you like vent are you venturing out? Go to the grocery store? Or are you did you get do you get out at all? Have you seen what life is like?
5: I've been going to the grocery store, ice cream place. That's about <laughs> it. That's really it. Priorities. I mean, I've been hunkered down. My parents, I went to their house, I saw my brother, um and that's really it. I've been I've been having Uh, A couple kids coming to my house just to get workouts in, like guys from Rutgers, like Sammy Alvarez was coming by, uh, Robert Kennard, who is a redshirt this year, just uh, this kid, Lucas Ravano, who wrestled for UPenn, lives in my area. So I've been having guys, as long as I know they're clean and they're healthy, making them wash their hands before they walk through the door, then they can come down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bryce mentioned, you know, it's like there's nobody. It's so scarce where he is to wrestle with. You know, there's nobody – no partners around and in your case it's like pfft, every other corner
5: really yeah at least all those kids were within five minutes of their, <laughs> their home house with their parents it's crazy
1: yeah that's great that's great so what do you kind of uh keep yourself busy with during the day how do you pass, pass the hours, the hours?
5: Uh really, we just been eating pretty good here, especially since uh <laughs> it keeps coming back to food. I just I just cooked up a pork, leg and cheese for me and my roommate. And we were contemplating the the master the mastery theory, like being a master in something. We started calculating so how many hours of wrestling to take ten thousand hours and we were thinking we probably wrestled five to seven days a week. Um, and it don't and we calculated five to seven days a week, our hours it would take like twenty four years. So I was trying to say I was a master in making pork leg and cheese, or I was approaching it, but uh, I was sad to find out that I'm still far away. But I feel good about it. I have <laughs> I two pans, two pans that I I can fit six pork rolls on one pan and four eggs on the other, so they're cooking simultaneously. So you get the toast going, and it's just a good combo: three pork roll, the two egg sandwich, a little cheese.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love some I'm Taylor. Never, I love some Taylor
5: ham. <laughs> pork roll, pork roll. <laughs> I'm really getting it down, you know, and that's my morning hobby. Then I'll get like a wrestling practice or a lift in, and bug, I'll bug my girlfriend and my other roommates that are working from home, play a couple video games. Um, but really, other than that, I've been lifting and wrestling almost this, a little less, but uh, almost four days a week, four out of the last seven days I've been training. So it just, it is my hobby in general. So uh, when I am getting too bored, I'm just doing little things like the iron neck or little devices around my house that are like kind of training recovery devices i'm uh just what i like to do i guess what i've been growing up doing you don't know anything else uh, yeah i don't but i think my roommate's getting too bored working from home he's he's gonna get a golden labradoodle so we're gonna have a (laughs) a dog we're gonna have a, a little golden lab running around and um we're taking any name ideas we haven't gotten the dog yet so if anyone wants Mm. to shoot out some name ideas we'll we'll be welcome to take any right now it's between uh loki kona um i forget the last name but loki and kona were the two fan favorites
1: i got a dog i got a friend who's got a dog named loki
5: yeah loki's a good one would you consider naming him scarlet i would yeah uh that wasn't. Oh, we good. had a round of sixteen tournament for the name. Scarlet wasn't in. There. Scarlet wasn't in there. I'm surprised, honestly.
1: Scarlet was a wild card. Pigtail, it, it, yeah, pigtail yeah. match. You missed. You guys kind of missed yeah. that
5: one. I can't believe we didn't put Scarlet in there. It's <laughs> like Ruckers. Uh. Yeah.
1: Well, like Rutgers is t- Rutgers is cool, but like something just not quite Rutgers, but that basically means it, yeah. right?
5: Yeah. Right. How are you guys holding down? Are you just going 24/7? Are you are they allowed you're allowed to get in the office there?
1: Yeah, so um we're not going 24/7. We do this to uh, t- central time, 10 to 10 to noon. Um Monday to Friday, there's uh one or two producers that come in and then the, you've been in the here, you've been in the office. The office is empty. Not a single person, and there's oh. like five five people in the building. Um we do these shows and then go home and I guess there's a, a shelter in place order taken an, an effect, but we are, um, we are call, considered essential personnel, essential yeah. employees. Yeah. Because news and media is something that um, is allowing us to still continue, and so. we're here talking to people like you, and hopefully other people are at home watching and listening and being at least mildly entertained.
3: We got, yeah, got let We got letters yesterday that we had like I guess I don't know if we're supposed to carry it around or what, but it's like a letter that says we're we're allowed to be showing up to work. I don't know if like I, I don't know like the police are going to stop us for, trying to stop us from coming in.
1: It's like a permission slip, right? Like well, per- well, yeah. I mean, you have it on your phone. So humble worst brag. case, I'm not going to print that. What's but that? <laughs> well, I was thinking it's about this it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah thanks. I'm a brag. <laughs> yeah.
5: You're like, oh. yeah, doctors, pharmacies and pro wrestling. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I but honestly, I I we are working towards Moving from home, I got a camera and, and a computer and, and a whole setup kind of ready to go. I know these guys have been uh, dealing just with like what you dealt with this morning, right? The call issues and everything's not working properly because the, I don't know, bandwidth and internet around the country is not working so great. Um, but they, I know they've slowly been tackling this and, and the calls have been worked, working better. And I think they were hoping to try to have by today uh, uh, ready for us to work and do these shows from home. I I don't know if they're quite ready. Kyle, Kyle, Caleb, you guys got any, any updates, Tyler? I'm going to talk to my producers here. Are we working from home anytime soon? Just having that discussion on air. Possibly tomorrow, so. Never know. Yeah. Wow. So
5: you guys are preparing for Doomsday as well?
1: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Taking lots of walks, you know. Yeah. Are
5: Appreciate. you guys allowed any stores besides grocery stores really open over there? Um, Restaurants are open for
1: takeout. So you can call in okay. and, and pick up food, um, you know. There's there's a few things. I'm I'm in the process of me and my wife are building a house. So like they haven't even laid the foundation yet, but we went and met with uh to go over make sure with a red pen line by line, make sure everything's in order. And they're still moving along. So I was thinking about like the having to have this piece of paper or, or email that says we're allowed, like. People are still have to go to the grocery store. People still have to get on the roads and go places, right? Yeah. So if you got pulled over, I'm just like, man, I'm going to the store. I'm going to yeah. a place of business that does happen to be open. So
5: right,
1: it's kind of bizarre. Yeah,
5: it's, so, it's crazy for Americans, I feel like. Go, I went to get ice cream again last night, and it was like a call in, and they had to bring it to the car kind of thing. Like you call it, you call it inside, you're not allowed in. Yeah. but it's like approaching eight o'clock which is the deadline i guess for new jersey i think in most states too it's eight o'clock you got to be inside so it's like seven forty-five, seven fifty, and it's like there was like 30 cars not 30 cars but probably like 20 to 30 people with all the cars there in that one little area it's like at one point i was like dang it's getting close to eight like do we got to get home or are we going to be able to get this like yeah we, like no one knows how serious it really is so it's it's crazy did you man. get
1: cookies and cream and coffee that time?
5: I my place was closed. The oh. was closed. I, uh, uh. we had to reroute it to Sundays. So I tried, I tried to get the guy to combine coffee and co- coffee and cookies and cream, but it just wasn't the same. <laughs>
1: no bueno, <laughs> no bueno, man. Um, last thing, and I've been getting everybody's opinion about this is um, you know, they ha- we're scheduled to have the NCAA championships in Minneapolis in a in a football dome. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you Had you formed an uh, opinion about how you thought it might go? Uh,
5: At first, I was nervous to hear that it was like 80,000 people. I didn't want to, like, in my head, I didn't want to picture sitting on one corner and not being able to see the far corner mat. But uh, honestly, as speculation grew, grew, I was excited for the guys to be in such a big environment, um, to have that, an opportunity to have more fans than ever watching them, and to even be in a football arena that's history. That's cool. It's a cool experience um, and then once it, the NCAAs announced that they were canceling and taking that opportunity away from the student athletes um, I felt really bad for them just thinking about how cool of an experience it is as an athlete to compete in wrestling in the NCAA Division One tournament um, it's unlike anything else in our sport I don't even know like I, I haven't wrestled in the world championships the senior level world championships but um, I would probably ha- have to say that NCAA is almost just as great as a, of an environment. It's one of the pinnacles for our sport. So some guys, it would have been their only opportunity, and even if they get a next year to come back, they might not have that opportunity again. Whether they are seniors moving on or a young freshman's coming up and is going to take their spot, it's it's uh, it stinks to think about guys. Maybe that would have been a first-time All-American, first-time being in the national finals, and don't have those opportunities maybe again. Um, it's just such a cool experience with all the. Me- it's the coolest, coolest place where all the media is there. ESPN's covering it. All the cameras align the mats. Most of the sessions are sold out. You know, you got if you're wrestling for a bigger name school, you got your crowd. All your crowd there, and um, all the colors are separated by each team. It's just a surreal experience as an athlete. I just felt I felt for the athletes that aren't going to get the experience
1: it. Have you ever like? Thought about it, or put yourself in the position of what if this was last year, and I was the senior who hasn't won an NCAA title yet, and I'm coming in the number one seed, and I believe I'm gonna win, and then whoop, rug rug straight out from underneath you.
5: See yeah, I, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm moving on at that point. I'm just like, dang, like I did everything I could do. It's just not meant to be. Um, time to move on, you know. But I say that after already winning, that still, so it's hard to go. <laughs> I would have said that but uh it's a long season and if it's a whole career it's a long co- college it's a long career like Bryce was saying it's run almost like a military situation where you're on tr- they're on track of you at every second whether it's going to class study hall lift or wrestling practice or social life and um, they're like your second father or second mother like checking in on you and it's a lot going through college with that kind of system it comes to a point where you're just ready to ready to move on and, um, especially going through a whole season if I was a sixth year senior going through a whole season and only getting one tournament ticket from me I'm like I don't I don't know if I really want to do that all over again I mean
4: yeah.
5: my goal was to win but it's still to win at the Olympic world level so I think I would just move on and carry that on
1: do you wish that the, um, like I ahead. believe
5: Seth Gross is I believe like Seth Gross I'm pretty sure is done no matter what so um, I think I would be someone like him I would be like yeah like great career great great season but I'm um,
1: good yeah I, I don't know if you watched he was on the show he was one of the first guests a week ago yeah. or something like that and he yeah. kind of said man and it was really nobody knew about the eligibility and was still I guess we'll find out next week but he basically said what you just said I think I think I'm good on I want to go on to Olympic and, yeah. and world aspirations um do you wish that, you know, it, and it, for the teams as well, right? If there, there's so Everything matters. It's just March. It's three days in March, and that's all that matters all season long. And now with what we're dealing with, is it like, do you wish there was a way to make the season have more impact and count for more than it currently does?
5: Coming from New Jersey and Rutgers, I definitely think there should be some team duel aspect because in New Jersey, team duels are awesome, man. High school team duels are awesome college team duels are also awesome at Rutgers at the rack um, so it would be cool to have some type of implication but it's like so hard there's been so many um, so many types of systems that they um, they propose you know whether you, you have a two team duel national champ separate or whether you have some type of point system where the points carry over the national tournament just like there's so much uh, there's so much room for error with all the proposals kind of thing. So I think I would like to see something like where it's in a lot of the high school systems where you have a separate team champ. And then at the national tournament, you still count team points, but they're the tournament champs. Um, I would love that. I love the national, the national dual champion format where I liked when my brother was in college, they had it where you would go to the one college for like four or five, six teams would go to one college. They'd wrestle that part of the bracket. And then you'd meet up at another place two weeks later or a week later um i like that format a lot
1: yeah i think national duels uh was, was a great event and that hopefully you know the uh, nwca can uh bring back to life at some point mm-hmm. don't you think yeah. yeah all right anthony um what you got planned for the rest of the day Ah, <laughs> uh, i
5: i had a i had a guy coming by to wrestle but he bailed on me so man i'm probably just relax a little bit um it's Tuxedo Media Day today, so I got a Scrap Life question and answer at 8 p.m.
1: Okay,
5: um, nice. On Instagram, so check me out there. Um, we got our new shoes getting launched. Uh, they came out beautiful. I got the box yesterday. I the box. I, mean, I might have forgot to bring it down. But uh, What's in the box? Nice fresh shoes. I got the box. I forgot the box. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> That's about it, though. Just... Relaxing, playing some NBA playgrounds too, I'm sure. Nice, yeah.
1: nice. So, uh, well, I think we're having a, a little bit of trouble getting our next caller, so we'll keep you around for a minute if you don't mind. Our, our next caller is going to be Steven Abbas. We were kind of talking about him while you were getting situated. Like, there's not a, or at least back in the day, do you remember watching him very much as, as an athlete, oh, yeah. Anthony?
5: I'm not, like, not as a kid, no, but I remember, like, when I was in high school, I had a coach, Damian Logan, who was high on him. Who uh, he would like mention him, and then I would go watch him on YouTube, and just watching like uh, his national tournament and finals, it was just like so much takedown, so much offense. It was so awesome to watch. Like, and then I got to do like a hand, a handful, maybe one or two privates with him. just oh, cool. through that connection with. Clinton. So, uh, yeah, I was always a super fan of him and he done clinics at Apex Wrestling Club in New Jersey So I, and I went to them. So, I was a huge fan of him. I loved, I loved watching him. Um, nice. fair, man. How, how,
1: how much did you charge Do him, him for, for, for a project? private lesson? <laughs> how much were you charging him for private lessons? Uh, oh, okay, that was time. a joke. But I guess we lost. It. Obviously, obviously, Anthony was taking private lessons from from Stephen Avis. So, and I did see Stephen's face up on our board here. So I think they're getting ready to call or uh, pull him on once everything's completely ready. Yeah, with the audio and the video, and yeah, uh, see his face. Can you hear us, Stephen? I can hear you. How's it going? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So, uh, where are you at? How's how's your daily situations
0: going on? Well, I'm in Fresno now. Um, pretty crazy news with all this going on. It's just uh, almost unbelievable. I mean, to be on lockdown and on on a curfew is it's wild. Um, to to see everything being canceled and postponed, it's just uh, it's it's unreal.
1: And I know I mean, I've heard that things are serious out in California, or you know. What's the is it? Are you on curfew? Is there lockdown or what's the kind of the the, the situation with most people's lives?
0: Well, I I out a couple times and, and went to the stores and, and friends' um, houses, yeah. and uh, it's just it's there's not that many people out. I mean, don't I don't think they're too strict on it right now as far as curfew goes, but. Um, it's just so quiet outside. Everybody's inside.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Um, when you coach, you coach high school wrestling. Um, what was that? You know, when did you get note from the school? I'm sure that hey, go away. None of your kids are allowed to come up here. You can't wrestle. Um, how long ago did that happen? I'm assuming that
0: happened. Yeah, that happened about two weeks ago. Okay. Um, yeah, we we're we were having practices. I went over to Clovis North. And uh, it was like maybe the two days after that, they they said, uh, "Yeah, we're locking it down. Can't have any more practices." And so it's been wild.
1: Yeah, what's how's that like with your team? You know, do you do you do you stay in touch with your team? Or are they kind of just at home doing their own thing with their parents?
0: Yeah, I've I've kept in contact with a, a few of them, um, but for the most part, yeah, they're they're pretty much on their own and been with their kid, been with their families. I've talked the few I talk, talk to they're doing well, telling me stories about long grocery lines and <laughs> things like that and just trying to keep a little bit of contact with them sure
1: okay um, well man we got you on I, I obviously want to talk wrestling because um, <laughs> you're really good and you were so much fun to watch back in the day like uh, you know Where did your style come from? It was so fast and so really unique. And we didn't get to, I was saying to David earlier, we didn't get to watch you like we can watch guys today, just match after match, and they're all online. But uh, where did that style come from? Was it uh, influenced by somebody? Did you just kind of come up with it on your own and develop it over time?
0: Well, you know, I started wrestling at the age of seven. And uh, I've got to say that my style kind of progressed over the years. I've had a lot of great coaches in my life uh, guys that have seen, uh, things in me and and have brought them out. Um, my brother, Jerry was a huge impact on my career, uh, as he was a student in the sport coming up through college, he was able to share some of those techniques with me. And, and I just had the the mentality of, of constantly be better. Um, I I would use every day in practice as a, as a, as a tool to, to try to improve myself. um, and I was never satisfied with, with what I knew or what I've accomplished. I was always striving to get better, striving to learn, making myself uncomfortable in practice so I can have a wide arsenal is is what I called it. I wanted to have a, a big arsenal where I can attack from all angles and all positions and um and I would I would use that. I would use that against the guys in my room and, and against all my competition. Something that I preach to this day, um, to not let these matches go by. If you can smash a guy by 15 points, then beat him by 15 points. Don't win by two or three points just because you know you can win. Don't just use one technique to win a match. Try different things. And uh, you know when you do it in a live situation, that's what helps you learn and go and understand for yourself that you can do it, that you know how to do this, that this works, this doesn't work. Um, and it, and I think it just gives you a, 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 wider range to, to learn from. And it's a, it's a constant learning process.
1: Sure. Uh, um, you know, having wrestled at Fresno and no, no knock on the program, but you didn't have like, I don't think, right. All Americans in the weight classes around you. And, and, you know, if you're at Iowa with all the lightweights that they have or, or whatnot, but so trying to get better, um, was that a challenge? Like you, maybe you're hitting all these creative different things in practice, but how do you know they're going to work against the number two, three, and four guys in the country?
0: Well, uh, first of all, I, I did have a couple of All-Americans around me. My first year at Fresno State, I had Yaru Washington there. Oh, shoot. And okay. he was a senior as I, as I was coming in, and I believe he took third that year. It was 96 or 97. or Wait, wait. Yeah, it was 96 when he took third. Um, and – you know, going into an atmosphere wrestling him as a senior, um, I struggled right away with trying to try guys down to take them down. I had him and, and Nick Zinkin, who was also a senior, and he was at one twenty six. And uh, you know, these guys were just you know veterans, and and I struggled for a while to get those takedowns. And it wasn't any doubt in my mind that that I was getting better. I, I never doubted myself. I never, um, you know. Uh, complained about it. I just kept getting after it every day in practice, getting after it. And um, Stan Green was was the other All American that, that was at uh, the next weight class above me. And he was so good at defense. I mean, there was a, a time when uh, we would just get after it. It was just me and him in practice. And I had to really hone my skills to detect um They really sharpened my, my fishes. I mean, uh, I finished my shots probably 99% of the time. Um, so, uh, you know, I never thought that it was who I was wrestling in practice. And I, I felt that if I were to accomplish these things, then it works, no matter who it's against. And um, it's because, you know, if I did a technique in practice, I did it on the mat. I mean, there was maybe one or two guys that were able to stop stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Now, Teague Moore was one of those guys. He was one of my biggest competitors in college, and always I've got to say he's always been the number one uh, competitor for me um, in in my career. All
1: right. First of all, my apologies to those three guys you mentioned that were all Americans. Um, didn't want to take any credit away from anyone. <clears throat> um. As your college career went on, you really just kind of separated, started separating the gap. Um, and I was telling these guys a story. I think one of the first times I watched you wrestle was at the NCAA Championships, I don't know, 2000 or 01 or something like that. And I swear you, like, turned your back to a guy. Like, do you remember this? Like, you basically <laughs> turned your back and kind of <laughs> gave him a stiff arm or something. Like, what, what do you, is it, had you ever done that? Is that to mess with somebody mentally or is that to just try to get them to make a, a,
0: a mistake, a physical mistake on the mat? Well, um, there was things that I did in the matches sometimes that, that, uh, were there for, um, entertainment purposes. Um, it okay. challenged me if, if, if I could do this to him, what's he going to do? And I <laughs> turned my back on, on two guys. Uh, one of those guys was, uh, Jacob Palomino. He was a four-time state champ out of California and, uh, we, we wrestled in a dual match one time and. It was like an alumni, Fresno City College alumni match. And, and I asked the coach if I could wrestle in it. And I turned my back on him, and he grabbed me around the waist, and I did a forward roll and took him down. <laughs> um, and it was just that that kind of mentality for me was just to see test my limits. Like, how far can I really go? Like, what can I do next? Let me try this. And, I mean, I tried – So you guys know about me doing capoeira. Yeah, yeah. One of my matches, one of my matches at Fresno State, I actually tried a a leg takedown. I tried to take him down with my leg. It was a (laughs) capoeira takedown. So there was there was things that I did throughout to to try to maybe entertain myself or keep it keep it fun for myself, and um, at the same time, just you know, show that motion is is amazing, and you know, sometimes motion is all it takes to get a takedown man you um yeah you had such an entertaining
3: style and really innovative too and your last two years you had ncaa finals opponents from iowa which was like you know that plotting hard work you know move ahead kind of style that was kind of dominating the time um what what was there any kind of point of emphasis of like that your creative innovative style was was a style that can beat the kind of the style of the day was that something you thought about at all
0: um, no, no. Um, I've never been a fan of the Iowa style, um, just for the simple fact that, um, I was all about technique and being able to take that guys down in a number of different, whereas they were more pressure, more pounding of the head and get you tired type, type deal. So, um, my first time I wrestled an Iowa guy, my freshman year at the ncaa's uh it was Jurgensen and i and i lost to him and i lost to him for third and fourth as well i lost him twice in that same tournament and uh and uh since then i was you know shocked the the second time he beat me the first time it was i let the crowd get into it and and i really felt it like when those when those crowd got loud i felt that it. it was Nothing like I've ever felt before in a match. And um, for third and fourth, it was a mistake on my part. I I, I pushed him. He, he was pushing me, you know, for two matches, he was pushing me out of bounds. Push, 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 and run back to the middle. And so I finally pushed him back, and then I got dinged for a point. So, um, yeah, and then I ended up losing the match because of it. But, you know, since then, I wrestled uh, um, Strip Matter and then uh, Eustace in the finals and um strip matter you know i had beat him pretty bad in that year at the dual meet i beat him by like 13 points so going into the finals i kind of had that same attitude that same mentality but i was a little sick it was it was real cold out uh, that year snowing and i remember being sick and coughing at night and um had a little cold i don't know what it was and um but I ended up beating him and, and then I beat Eustace and so Eustace was a bit of a surprise I think he was the number 7 seed coming in that year yep. my senior year uh, so he was a bit of a surprise but um, you know I, I, you have the, the
1: handle and, and the email of Abbas Flow and you know the flow part is that like is that you know wrestling flowing and is that like a state of I don't know that you get to when you're in the zone kind of
0: Yes. Well, it was kind of a nickname that my teammates gave me um, when I started making the world team in 2001. And it was just very uh, apparent that that my motion was very fluid. And um, that's basically where it came from. Um, combining with capoeira and, and the rhythm and the constant motion, I think, um, just showed in my wrestling. And, and Uh, being able to move with momentum and controlling uh, motion uh, I think that's pretty much where it came from
1: can you talk about the development uh, of your technique like actually being in the room um, working on getting better working on new innovative positions and you know how I guess exciting maybe that was that you're, you're breaking new ground and you're getting in the room and you know, John Smith said it's like a scientist going into a lab, trying, you know, finding a cure for a disease or something. It's really motivating that you're on the uh, verge of something new and different and, like, breaking through.
0: Well, I was very conscious when it came to practice. Like, I, I never just kind of went through the motions. Um, I, I went into practice every day with, with the goal to, to try to get better and to, to really uh, let go and, and attack as much as possible. Um, getting to a position a thousand times, you're going to get good at it. And then you're going to start to create ways to get there. So um, that was what it was for me in, in my daily daily life. When I, when I go to practice, it was, it was all about uh, pushing my limits and, and, and holding nothing back. Um, And, and it just carried over to my competition. I mean, when I would compete it, I had the same mentality and, and it was never like, it wasn't different for me. It wasn't, where oh now I'm competing now I got to do this yeah so uh, it was it was pretty much a mindset that I that I stayed in for for a long time most like, of my career
1: yeah I, you know you see it plenty the guys go out on the mat and they they pucker up a little bit or you know and you just seem to like relax and seem very relaxed and, and loose.
0: Oh yeah, uh, I felt like that was how I wrestled the best, and you know I went in calm and and, and just focused and 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 happy. Like one of the things my my older brother told me all the time was go out and have fun, and that kind of stuck with me. And that was something that I reminded myself even late in my career. I mean, I remember being at the NCAA's and going into the finals and having this smile on my face, like this is going to be so cool wrestling in front of all these and uh, and it was, and it was very exciting, and I'm glad I was able to enjoy it that way because I know in wrestling guys poker up and and just don't have a good time they have bad memories of wrestling, and I mean, they could be you know champions, but still have those bad memories where they felt horrible and nervous where they couldn't move and and I know that feeling, and I know that I never' wanted to get there again and and I pretty much uh
1: fixed it hey so that attitude that hey relax and have fun like fast forward to 2008 you know you set up for a best two out of three against henry cejudo did you feel pressure in this situation or any different or were you able to feel those same emotions that you told yourself just relax because obviously there's a
0: lot on the line and that in that series but that at that point in my career, I was already experienced in mentality. If if I if my mental wasn't right then, it it would have been horrible. But okay, um, there was definitely something I felt physical that was different. Um, obviously my knee was torn, um, so I wasn't able to move like I wanted to. I I felt I felt slower. I felt uh, not one hundred percent. Let me just say that. Um, but as far as mentality goes, no, I mean, I pretty much stayed focused and and I knew what I had to do.
3: Steven, you, uh, talked about, you know, or you mentioned being on that world team in 2001 that, and that was a world championships that was postponed. Um, you know, maybe a little bit similar to what guys are going through right now. What was that? What was that like being on that team? And then all of a sudden, you know, 9-11 happens and that's the most important thing in the world, but then you got to. React wrestling-wise, what, how, how did that uh, feel?
0: Right, I remember, uh, you know, hearing the news and waking up and, and seeing it on the news and watching those those buildings and, and uh, knowing right away that the World Championships was going to be canceled. I just knew it. And, and um, so, you know, we had a few meetings with with our team, a, a few uh, over-the-call, uh, it was a conference call meetings with the team, the coaches, and... and uh, when they finally told us that we weren't going to go, um, I, I was such a, I was so excited to be on my first world team. I, I told, I told the coaches, I was like, coach, I might go anyways. I'm just going to go.
3: <laughs>
0: and, uh, and, and Bobby, Bobby Douglas, Bobby Douglas was the one he said, I'll go with you, Abbas. <laughs> so I was like, all right. But, uh, but I didn't, I didn't go. And, um. And uh, they ended up post. They post. Oh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, w- I was talking about 2002. I'm sorry because uh, the World Championships was in Iran. Oh um, yeah, in 2000. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Um, 2001, uh, they postponed it a few months, and it was like in September or something, and they moved it to Bulgaria. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so uh, you know, I remember. Being ready, I was ready. Uh, I remember um, having that first match and losing to uh, he was from Belarus. Um, I was Belarus. Forgot I didn't want to say I forget his name. Um, but I I had to wrestle him first round, and I was actually beating him by three points. And I took a bad shot, and you know I at that level there's a point where you kind of got to turn it down a little bit, and me being my fear Um just excited to be there my same offensive mind um, I went after it still and I should have shut it down and I ended up losing the match and that guy ended up winning the whole tournament uh, but wow. because we were in the, the pool system at the time because I didn't make it out of my pool I was out of the tournament oh. there was no red backs there was no carrying to yeah. the to the metal matches um, so I was out I was out of the tournament and I remember um, you know sitting in the back after i had my second match in my pool i beat the india guy um, and i remember sitting in the back and, and john smith coming over to me and he's saying you know you're, you're tough and you just you just weren't ready yet and and you'll have your day you're, you're good just giving me those little words of, of encouragement and i've always looked up to john um, because of his style because of his offense because because of my older brother modeled his self from him and really, really preached about John and, and um, John has always been my number one of all time, uh, regardless of how many titles he won, but, but just his style and uh, the way he, the way he went after it. So
1: kind of going back to to 2008, you know, um, the, after the the trials, what was it like watching Henry, go through and, and have that performance out in Beijing and, and win? What kind of emotions did that
0: conjure up? Well, you know, when he beat me, I, I really felt, and, and that's why I left my shoes on the mat, I really felt like I was done. I was like, all right, I told myself I was going to wrestle until my body gave out, and here I am three knee surgeries later, two knee surgeries later, and here I am losing my, my, my last match in America. And... Um, I was really done, but I I woke up every morning to watch him. It was like three in the morning. You had to turn on the TV and watch him wrestle, and um and I watched all of his matches. And you know, a couple things happened that I was like, "Wow, how did he, how did you that?" Or, wait, what a minute! Wait, he was losing in all of his matches. He was losing. Yeah, yeah. and then him coming back. And I think the finals was the only match where he was he was up big time, like four or five points in the first like minute or something um so i remember watching him and and seeing him and i mean him winning it i mean it was cool it was cool to see him win it and i i thought about it too i was like could i have done that <sighs> and, and it still was kind of a, it was still kind of a question mark because because he beat me and so you know that's just the mentality i think when you get to that level is that you know you can't lose you just you I mean you can't lose you gotta you gotta win two out of three, you can't, you can't lose one of those. So, um, I don't know. That was, that was my, that was my take on it. I, I was, I was proud of them. I was, I was happy that I kind of helped them get there. Um, but, but that was it. Yeah. It,
1: and the one thing you just said, did you, you probably didn't even plan on taking your shoes off cause you didn't plan on losing. Like did that even go through, if I lose, I'm going to take my shoes off or was that not even a thought and you, you lost and then it just occurred to you. All right,
0: time. I should do this. You know, the weird thing was, was I actually was going to take my shoes off anyways and retire for America. Really? And retire my shoes for, for us. Um, you know, but I was, you know, definitely planning on competing in the Olympics. So, I mean, taking my shoes off and, and waiting to the crowd was, was going to be my farewell, you know, for America at least. Well, um, I I
1: always really enjoyed watching you wrestle. It was a pleasure, and, and I appreciate everything you've done. We just got a, a minute or two left here. Is there anything, anything you want to say? Any last words?
0: Oh man, well, thanks for having me. I mean, uh, you know just just to have you guys recognize. And I heard Anthony talking about me right before he left, and um, it's just it's just cool to know that that I made that big of an impact in, in this community, and. Um, I still feel like I have a lot to teach. Like there's a lot of knowledge in me that that I would love to give people. I just love teaching, and I, I'll teach I'll teach whoever whoever. I don't have any any holdups on anything. So, um, you know, being at Fresno High this year, I was able to have a team, and, and I really helped them uh, learn a lot. You know, they were a, a young team, so we didn't have too much success, but. I really enjoyed it, and, um, and I'm always up to, to sharing what I've learned in my experiences.
1: So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, abbasflow, F-L-O-W, at Gmail, is that right? That's right. All right, hit them up if you need to. Um, Steven, thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate the time, and uh, stay safe out there.
0: Thanks, guys. You too. Take care. Steven.
1: That this. was awesome. Yeah. We just got to talk to Stephen Abs for thirty minutes. Love that. man. 10, picking his brain. I could have could have gone on for another hour just question after question, but yeah. As it is, time has come. David, do you have oh. any parting words? No, man. I'm I'm uh
3: I'm loving these conversations. It's yeah, great.
1: Yeah. So we'll see you tomorrow. I believe we're gonna have Frank Chimizo and Sarah uh, Hildebrand. Sarah Hildebrand, I think so, and maybe Nomad and another caller. That's it for Mark. And David, we're out of here. Take it easy.